Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Think twice. It's just another day for you and me in paradise. Aaron, this is Luke. Think twice. Oh, hello. Hey, man. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even realize that I was, I didn't even know I'd answered the phone. Hey. Yeah. Hey, uh, so 30 years ago, about this time, there were two big name actors who had major film releases. And I thought it'd be fun to have you impersonate one of them introducing the other one's movie are you up for that (laughs) i'll give it my best shot how about that okay so the first was a movie called closet land with alan rickman and oh my god the second was a movie called guilty by suspicion with robert de niro so you can pick whichever one you want and tell me about the other one (laughs) i have never heard of either of these movies that doesn't matter i don't care if it's accurate or not all right, what's the De Niro movie called? It's called Guilty by Suspicion. Guilty by Suspicion. That sounds like a 1991 movie, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Let me, let me try. Let me try. That's a weird De Niro, man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. Who was it? Oh. <laughs> Hang on. Robert, no, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Is this a award show or something? Your father was a swine. Um, Robert De Niro. This is my Robert De Niro impression. You have to see it for it to make sense, but this is it. Could you see it when when no, I was doing it? No, no, that didn't work. <laughs> it probably doesn't translate. No, not so much. But I appreciate it. That's all I needed. I just needed you to to do something. Guilty by suspicion. <laughs> Is that okay? Is that good? That's amazing. I feel like I'm on the phone with Severus Snape right now. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, man. Hey, I'm going to start the episode now. Ladies and gentlemen, 30 pop. <laughs> no, that was bad. That was a bad one. <laughs> I'll see you, man. See ya. Familiar Media Group. This is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 3, Episode 9, Very Big Deals and Very Long Messages. Today we're looking back at the weeks that ended Saturdays, March 9th and 16th, 1991. Hello, friends, and welcome to another special double episode of 30 Pop, looking back on two weeks worth of 1991 pop culture headlines. We have much to cover in this episode, so let's get started. There were a ton of movies that released in theaters over the course of these two weeks, but none of them could claim the top spot at the box office, which belonged still to the Jodie Foster and Sir Anthony Hopkins psychological thriller The Silence of the Lambs. There were a couple worth noting, though. First, one I only vaguely remember hearing about, if at all, but which looks pretty fun 30 years later. Michael J. Fox and James Woods in Hardway. 
Movie star Nick Lang is looking for a part that could change his image. You don't want me to grow up. The studio doesn't want me to grow up. I'm the only one who wants me to grow up. So to play a real cop, Freeze. he's going to study with the best. If I can walk his beat, if I can get under his skin, I will nail this party. Detective John Marks is on the trail of a killer. This party crasher has whacked out seven people. He's going to do it again soon, today maybe. And what if this cop doesn't want you tagging after him? Two pros exchanging ideas. Why wouldn't he want to do it? Not if you tied my tongue to your tailpipe and drove me 80 miles an hour naked across a field of broken glass. Now, evidently, the guy just wants to blend in so nobody knows he's Nick Lang, okay? My trainer's got me a Nautilus and the Stairmaster, so you don't have to worry about Nick Lane. He doesn't belong here. He belongs in Never Never Land. And you're never going to believe where I am. I'm in a ghetto. He's told me face to face that he wants to be me. It's my life. It's my life. Moved into my house, you know? I'll just uh, do what you do in Hollywood. Rum drinks, fern bar, gerbil racing. You know what's next? You know, my old lady. What? I know it. Tell me. You just kissed him? You kissed his face? It's getting to where everywhere I look, I see his smiling face. I turn on the TV and I hear his voice. All of my movies, including The Smoking Guns, are shot on biodegradable film stock. There's only one way Moss can catch the killer. Without losing his mind. NYPD! NYPD! I have got to get rid of this guy. Michael J. Fox. James Woods. In a John Badham movie. The Hard Way. Coming soon to a theater near you. All right, just stop. I'm confident the reason I have basically no recollection of this movie is because in 1991, coming off the releases of Back to the Futures 2 and 3 in 1989 and 90, respectively, I just wasn't ready to see Michael J. Fox as any character other than Marty McFly. I certainly wasn't ready to see him with a mullet. But honestly, 30 years later, this trailer does the job. It doesn't look like an award winner by any stretch, but it does look like it highlights Fox's impressive comedic chops. I would absolutely watch this one today. The other new release in theaters 30 years ago this week that's worth discussing is the Ice-T Wesley Snipes crime drama, New Jack City. Wesley Snipes. We will own the city. Ice-T. Alan Payne. Chris Rock. Mario Van Peebles. Christopher Williams. Vanessa Williams. Tracy Camilla Johns and Judd Nelson. This is Detective Nick Peretti, big crazy jarhead, motorcycle freak, reject cop, just like you, Scotty. On the streets, there's a fine line between wrong and right, good and bad, between those who enforce the law. It is a war out there. And those who break it. Gone are the days of selling on the street corners, dark alleyways in the back rooms of some bummy-ass bar. We ain't with that no more. In a city where survival depends on friends. It's always business. Never personal. On family. We gotta look out for one another. On trust. On loyalty. On power. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am! A family out to run a city 
are up against cops who know its streets. This ain't business. This is personal. Well, this is big business. This is the American way. City. Oh, yeah. This movie was a very big deal. It was the feature film directorial debut of actor Mario Van Peebles, an opportunity he nearly missed out on as Warner Brothers executives were hesitant to hire an unknown director. Peebles got the nod, though, after another talented actor-slash-director with whom he'd worked and developed a friendship a few years earlier personally vouched for him, changing the decision-makers' minds. That director? Clint Eastwood. And it was a good move by the production company, as the film wound up grossing nearly $50 million on a budget of only $8 million, making it the highest-grossing independent feature of 1991. It was a huge success critically as well, with breakout performances from both Chris Rock, who plays a pretty convincing crack addict named Pookie, and Ice-T, who plays the lead protagonist, Detective Scotty Appleton. A seemingly ironic choice at the time, given his increasingly public disdain for the police. It also served to shape hip-hop culture for decades to come, with the famed Cash Money Records taking their name from the film's Cash Money Brothers, and rapper Lil Wayne's acclaimed series of solo albums entitled The Carter, Volumes 1-5, through paying homage to the apartment building the Cash Money Brothers take over in the film, also called The Carter. The kingpin in the movie, Nino Brown, portrayed by Wesley Snipes, is referenced in the lyrics of over 4,000 rap songs penned in the last 30 years, according to RapGenius.com. And I'll say, the film holds up. While I've never been particularly fond of Ice-T as an actor, or as a rapper for that matter, the exception in both cases being his performances in Breakin' and Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo, even his performance in this movie holds up. It's way over the top, but even still, it works. Among the other films that debuted over the course of the last two weeks in 1991 were La Femme Nikita, Class Action starring Gene Hackman, If Looks Could Kill starring Richard Grieco, the Perfect Weapon, starring martial artist Jeff Speakman and the kid who played Rufio in Hook, which I'm very excited to talk about later this year. And True Colors, starring James Spader and former 30 Pop guest John Cusack. There were also a number of major album releases over the course of these two weeks in 1991. Among them, the March 4th release from British electronic pop duo The KLF, entitled The White Room. The March 6th live album release from Vanilla Ice, Extremely Live. And on March 12th, the third studio album from British pop singer Rick Astley, entitled Free, and what I believe to be the single most important release from Athens, Georgia alternative rock band, R.E.M., Out of Time, which featured their mandolin-soaked breakout single, Losing My Religion. That's me in the corner This song and album are honestly every bit as incredible today as they were 30 years ago, and I would love nothing more than to really cover them and R.E.M.'s decades-long career in depth, as they are absolute treasures of American music. But, sometimes, you have to lay aside what you'd most like to do to make space for others. There was another album released in March of 1991 about which I could not care less than I already do. But, a dear friend of the show, and of me personally, 
a legend of 30 Pop Trivia and a semi-regular guest on this show, Haley Durrett loved and loves this album to this day, despite the fact that she was a mere infant when it released. And she left the single longest message in the history of the 30 Pop Answering Machine this week to tell me all about it. Seriously, I had to buy a whole new tape. Anyway, here's that message. You have one message. First message. Hey Luke, it's Haley. I am just calling because I feel like it's time for us to discuss the one and only queen of crossover Christian and secular pop, the living legend, Amy Grant. 30 years ago this week, she released what is, to this day, one of the best crossover albums of all time. And by crossover, I do mean between Christian and secular music. I don't mean like crossover between genres in the secular music industry. She released Heart and Motion, which to this day is probably in my top five most played albums of all time. Just a quick note about it. It starts out with three straight bangers, Good For Me, which literally I hear the opening notes of that and I just like leap into action. Number two, Baby Baby, which... I mean, arguably her most well-known song of all time, with reason, straight banger, so good. And number three, Every Heartbeat, which is just like, that song taught me what love is. And, I mean, taught me what love is at four months old. So clearly, I had a good education from the get-go. I grew up very much in an Amy Grant household. We listened to Amy pre-divorce, post-divorce. We listened to Amy secular pop music. We listened to Amy's Christian hymns album. Amy's Christmas albums are clearly some of the best ever recorded of all time. Her version of Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree is still the best version out there. All that to say, back to Heart and Motion, truly like one of the most iconic albums of all time ever. I'm pretty sure Baby Baby was my most played song on Spotify in 2018 because it is so excellent. And I just think we need to take a few minutes to just appreciate Amy for everything she is and the songwriter and performer and just general icon and role model that she is. Two quick things before I go regarding Amy. One, there was a concert at my church way back in the day. I'm pretty sure I was in like third or fourth grade. So this would have been like late 90s. And it was a concert for... Like she was just singing all of her favorite hymns. It was beautiful. It was these like rich, meaningful, just Christian hymns. And my best friend Sarah and I literally stood up in the middle, like in between songs and like basically request, like yelled at the stage and requested her to sing Baby Baby because that's what we wanted to hear. And that's the whole reason we went to the concert. And for the record, she did, and she loved it, and that moment is still, like, near and dear to my heart, and I will never forget it. And number two, one of the best compliments I ever received was a few years ago on my birthday, I was wearing this, like, oversized gray sweater, like this big chunky sweater, loved it, and I had my hair curled, and Amy and I have, like, similar coloring, and <laughs> same friend, Sarah, looked at me, she goes, oh my gosh, you look like Amy Grant today, and I just died. It was one of the best moments of my entire life. So just wanted to call and say that Amy is deserving of some significant recognition today and this week on the 30th anniversary of Heart in Motion. I mean, honestly, I think we could dedicate the whole month to Amy, but I digress. 
Anyway, hope you're having a great day. I'm going to go listen to Heart in Motion now, and we'll talk soon. Bye, Luke. Message erased. No remaining messages. And there it is. Thank you, Haley, for sharing your enthusiasm for this album. I don't get it, but who am I to judge? Our Billboard charts for these two weeks in 1991 looked somewhat similar to last week, at least with regard to the top album in the country, which remained Mariah Carey's eponymous debut and the top song on the hot rap chart, Chub Rock's Treat em Right. Whitney Houston enjoyed one more week at the top of the hot R&B and hip-hop chart, but was replaced at number one on the Hot 100 by Mariah Carey's Someday. The new number one song on the hot R&B and hip-hop chart was the entirely forgettable Written All Over Your Face by The Rude Boys. As I said, I have practically no memory of this song whatsoever. The hook is vaguely familiar, but also not at all. The top song on the Hot Country chart for each of the last two weeks was Alan Jackson's far more familiar, I'd Love You All Over Again. If tomorrow I found one more chance to begin, I'd love you all over. In other music news this week in 1991, on March 11th, Janet Jackson signed a recording contract with Virgin Records reportedly worth $32 million, making her the highest paid female recording artist in history. An achievement that would be completely dwarfed a few days later by her brother, the king of pop, Michael Jackson. We'll get into that next week. On March 14th, legendary 90s jam band, the Dave Matthews Band, performed their first show together as a part of a benefit for the Middle East Children's Alliance. Then, on March 16th, tragically, seven members of the country queen Reba McIntyre's band and her tour manager were killed when their private plane crashed near San Diego, California, en route to Fort Wayne, Indiana, following a performance just a few hours earlier. McIntyre had stayed behind to rest and recover from a nagging case of bronchitis. It was a devastating loss, and one that shaped much of Reba's career in the years since. I just can't even imagine. And, unfortunately, that wasn't the only sad news happening in the U.S., We were also in the midst of significant social unrest when members of the LAPD were caught on camera violently and relentlessly attacking 25-year-old Rodney King following a high-speed car chase. The footage was made public and sparked tremendous outrage in Los Angeles and throughout the U.S. It'll come up much more over the course of the next year or so as it became a cultural touchpoint and landmark moment in the ongoing fight for racial justice, especially as it relates to police brutality against black men and women. It was horrific then, and it's horrific today. 
Hopefully in 30 more years we'll be able to look back with astonishment that the world ever looked the way it did, and gratitude that things have changed. Finally, the last little bit of 30-year-old pop culture news for today. On March 6, 1991, the one and only very talented Tyler the Creator was born. Happy birthday, Mr. The Creator. I hope you're enjoying all your success. Friends, that's it for now. I'll be back soon with more, and as always, I hope you'll join me again. Until then, remember, in any kind of weather, I'm here for you, always and forever. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 30 years ago that you want to share, leave a message on the answering machine at 30pop.com. 